This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. This is the post-game edition. The Raiders, a 26-20 to victor over the Minnesota Vikings in the team's first preseason game at home at Allegiant Stadium. Hi, everybody. This is Scott Branson, And as always, on our post-game show, joined by two gentlemen of, two gentlemen's, gentlemen, of course, that is plural, though. I guess it's bad English, but that's okay. Uh, we're back with my regular partner, Mo Moten, and, of course, the voice of the fan, our good friend Murph from Raider Fan Radio. If you don't subscribe yet to Murph's channel, please go do that. It is great content. Uh, don't want to miss it. Murph, Mo, we're back at it. Football, uh, just a few days past a week ago, the Raiders kicked off in Canton, but now they get down to the nitty-gritty uh, as they come home and face the Vikings. And to me, kind of a mixed bag night, as you would expect in the preseason. You're not looking for perfection. I know a lot of fans uh, in Raider Nation get geared up over it. But Murph, let's start with you. When you uh, look at this game, give me your instant reaction, positives uh, and deltas or negatives, things that the Raiders still need to work out. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a negative right off, right off the front. How about this? Didn't we move away from Oakland? So we didn't have to play on a dirt field anymore. <laughs> like, what was the deal with the Scott out there, Amen. man? Like, Amen. I'm like, come on. I like, guess we've got this big, beautiful, gorgeous state. I guess they had a soccer game or something out there, but like, 
I don't know, I guess it's preseason, so they decided not to water the grass or something. I don't know, but like, but that looked kind of sketchy. But uh, outside of that, like, um, you know, I thought overall the team looked pretty good. Uh, you know, not enough butlers on the team either. Apparently, everybody <laughs> on defense is named Butler. That, like, I had to get out my freaking, like, you know, my roster here, like, a couple of times and be like, okay, now wait, we have two butlers that are defensive tackles. And, like, anyways, but um, yeah, it was uh, I, early on, uh, all kidding aside, early on the, on the game, the team looked fresh. That crispness that we saw against the Jaguars, I felt like we saw a lot of that. Um, you know, interesting that we saw some more starters on defense, like, you know, seeing Merrick and, and Abram start, um, and especially the way that, uh, that Abram was flashing around the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I'm really rooting for that guy. Like, to me, he just, like, he just oozes Raider. Like, I really want that guy to be good. And so I'm really rooting for him to, to pick up in his coverage skills and be able to play safety effectively. And so, anyway, see, so seeing that, um, then once the, the kind of like the, the twos came out of the game and we got into our threes and fours, got a little sketchy there, uh, you know, in the third <laughs> quarter. You know, but uh, but other than, other than that, I mean, you know, a win's a win's a win, and even though it's a preseason, and it's always good to see the Raiders on the field. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I agree with you. I thought some things went really well at the beginning. I thought the offense overall played really well at, at times. Of course, they had moments like everybody else, and we'll get into the offensive line in a minute. But, Mo, it started off well for the defense. At first, we saw Malcolm Kuntz kind of all over the field. Uh, we saw some of the other players out there really, I thought, uh, excelling. Then we get to the second quarter, and it seems to fall off a cliff. Uh, tell me your positive, negatives, instant reaction. Big negative for me, second quarter, uh, third quarter, run defense fell apart. They they painfully missed Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins on the inside. Butler and Neil Farrell just aren't doing enough inside. The Butlers, how many whatever there are on that defense, aren't doing enough. Uh, that run defense was was poor at some point in the game, and the Vikings were gashing them. And I tweeted this, that the Vikings were winning at the line of scrimmage. The Raiders' offense also was bailed up by a lot of penalties in the first half. I believe they were averaging three yards per play at the end of the first half. Uh, thankfully, they cleaned it up in the second half, got it together. The offense got some rhythm with Nick Mullins. I thought he had a pretty good day. Uh, my guy, Amik Robinson, man. I, I, It's hard to defend him at this point. Had a bit on a play action, had a penalty. Uh, not a great day for him, but positive Thayer Mumford I wrote about him on sports not I said the rise of Thayer Mumford is coming and it's and it's here he looked pretty good at right tackle and it's pretty troubling I know a lot of people are trying to downplay it but to see Alex Leatherwood in there protecting Chase Gabers uh there was a tweet out there our guy Austin Gale said only two first rounders from from the, the past draft were playing in the second half and that was Alex Leatherwood and Peyton Turner of the New Orleans Saints so Usually with a guy, especially with Leatherwood, you're trying to develop him. You want him against tougher competition. That's why you want him on the field again early in the game. The fact that he was in late, it's a troubling sign for him. Yeah, it is. And and I, too, I mean, we I was texting you, Mo, during the game, too, about Robertson there as well. And and overall, you're right. We, we had a bunch of folks message us during the game saying, hey, listen, what happened uh, again, this 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 inter interior of the defense is not creating that push up the middle. Now, we talked about in previous shows, uh, Mo and I did, Murph and I know you guys did as well, Raiders banged up up front there. They just don't have enough bodies right now, but the bodies they do have don't seem to be creating what they're going to need because with Mad Max on the outside and Chandler Jones, when they do play in the regular season, okay, great, but you still need to push up the middle. Yeah, so that was. Go ahead, Marcia. Sorry. 
I was I thought Pecco looked pretty good though. Billings had a had a had a, a, couple, a few decent plays, but Pecco looked fantastic. He was stopping uh, guys there at the line of scrimmage. He had that one uh, batted pass. I mean, like I thought, you know, he was there was one play even that the running back got through to the into the secondary and he chased him down and uh, for a tackle. So I mean, that seems to be a pretty good signing that we uh, that we got there picking him up from the Titans. Yeah, so I think Petco will probably be a depth player when the when the season when the final roster winds down. The issue is once you start getting into the regular season, you start getting to the top backs in the league. First week, you were going to run into Austin Eckler. You know, eventually, you're going to get into some bigger backs. You're going to need those bigger bodies back there. Hankins oh, yeah. and Bilal Nichols are going to be have to be playing at their top if the Raiders are not going to go out and get help for the interior of the defensive line. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and then you look at some of the other things I want to touch on guys that, that really, uh, I thought stuck out at me and, and one, you know, it's not something you usually talk about because it tends to go behind so much of what you focus on, on offense, so much of what you focus on defense and that is special teams, right? Special teams. We saw another long run coach Tom McMahon comes in from green Bay. And so far in these two games, that you've seen these two big runs, you've seen some kind of um, sloppiness out there on special teams, whether it's punts, whether it's kickoffs, uh, and that's that's concern because okay, yes, it's the first preseason game, uh, but they seem to have gone a little bit backward there. Yeah, it seems to isn't it interesting too because we brought in so many guys that I don't know is it and I don't I didn't pay or not able to pay enough attention on special teams to see exactly who's in there, but is that the like the the guys that we're gonna see? in the regular season because we brought in so many of these players that, you know, the, the Patriot guys, they're all like beasts in terms of like special teamers. So uh, that's interesting to, to, that you bring that up because like what, which guys were actually out there. Are these like the third and fourth string guys that are going? And then, and then speaking of special teams though, much respect to AJ Cole, man, dude's got oh. a boot that. Oh, oh yeah. Those, oh, yeah. those, at least those three guys between Trent Sig, AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson will, you know, for, forget about the extra point that he missed. But like outside of that, like those three guys are money. Yeah, Mo, I mean, you look at this and and yes, to answer your question, Murph, there are some guys out there that are not quote unquote stars, but there was a lot of starting special teams players out there, especially during that uh, that long kickoff return. And that's what has a concern is just you've seen so much focus. And even even when there's failure, you see the execution there. Uh, by offense, defense, but on special teams, it seems to just be trailing. Is that is that me just piling on, Mo, or did you see that too? No, it's not just you piling on, but when you go from Rich Basachi, who's regarded as one of the best special teams uh, coaches in the league, to Atomic Man, there's going to be a there's going to be a drop off. But to Merce, to answer Merce's question, yeah, those are, those are going to be your guy, your second, third string guys that are going to be on special teams. Your you know your fourth linebacker, your your fifth, sixth defensive lineman, stuff like that. But one special team I do want to give a shout out to DJ Turner, who also made some plays on yep. offense. He had a good return. I think he's going to be at the back of the roster. He's going to be one of those guys I think that's going to make the team because of special teams. Yeah, no question. And I think that uh, those, I mean, listen, this is what these games are for. So I, again, you see fans that overreact, right? And I think there were fans overreacting to some of the things they're in mid season form already. I mean, I get it. You want your team to win. You want your team to look good. <laughs> But again, it's practice. This is glorified practice, just so people remember, number one. Number two, um, though, I think there are real concerns. We talked about special teams. We talked about, again, for the last five weeks in a row, the offensive line. So we look at the offensive line performance tonight. 
Um, Dylan Parham was, a, I think, a good example of, of what went right. Yes, he made mistakes, but going in there at center, he played a couple different positions, actually. I thought he did pretty well. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. I thought Alex Leatherwood was not impressive again. Um, he was in there. He did make some nice plays playing against number twos and threes, mostly, um, and mostly number threes. And so I'm really concerned there. And there's, there's no more clarity for me, Murph, on that right side at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to think, you know, last week when, when, when we talked about the idea of the Raiders bringing in another tackle, I was like, no, I think, that, think that we might be kind of set, you know, but I don't know, man. Now it's like, I think, and there's so many good ones that are still out there, right? Like yeah. there's, there's, I mean, five or six offensive tackles out there that we, that we could get at a minimum to have, to be swing players. Um, but yeah, I think it's a concern, especially like you said, seeing Leatherwood and then like Illuminor was, was what kind of struggled versus what he, he did against the Jaguars. So, so that was, that was very interesting though. But, uh, on the, on the positive side though, um, shout out my guy, Lester Cotton again, though, man, blowing yeah. up holes for Zeus white, like that guy, like how refreshing is that? Like we hear, we were thinking that like guard was going to be kind of be the maybe even more questionable spot than tackle. And now here, look at this guy has really stepped up and is playing fantastic. He had that hold, uh, but I thought he was pretty decent for a guy playing on both sides of the line. I think he's going to be the Raiders new version of Denzel. Good. He can play inside. He can play outside. You can plug him in a guard or right tackle, but I think he's probably going to be a backup. Alex Bars, I don't mean to shout out anybody for negative reasons, but Alex Bars to me worries me. He gave up three pressures <laughs> against the Jaguars. Didn't look good today. So I think the Raiders, again, still need to address their offensive line. Now, I know a lot of people are trying to say downplay and say, well, they're fine there. They're just trying to figure out, you know, who, which one of their guys in-house can fill certain roles. I, I say you just bring in some help. Alex Bars doesn't give me a lot of confidence. As I mentioned, Alex Edward playing late in the game. Protecting for Chase Garbers does not give me a lot of confidence. Even though Thayer Mumford looked good, you still need some depth. You still need some help in that position group. And I think the Raiders, they have the money. Why not just go out and just bring in some veteran insurance, especially if you're not tied to – you're not, like, on the lower end of the cap space wrong. So, again, you have the resources. Use it for a position of need. Yeah, and Murph, you mentioned the positive, right? Uh, uh, Cotton looked good out there. Also, Munford looked good as well at times, uh, which I think is, is a big plus. But again, and we talk about this being practice games, but I think when you have big question marks like you have on the right side of the offensive line, you're you're looking for depth. You're looking for somebody who wants the job bad enough that they perform at a level that you say, wow, okay, this guy's starting to pull and lead. Just like we saw again with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, right, for the backup to Derek Carr. Um, when you look at this, I mean, there's still cause for concern. I think as you go on, you got two weeks left in the preseason before we start to think about regular season game in that September 11th opener against the Chargers. Um, what's your level of concern, Murph, now after seeing this squad play for two games? Well, you know, I always just I hate to pick on the one spot, but I think it's that that tackle spot has got to be, yeah. you know, and, and like, and I was like, you know, hollering all the offseason about like, leave Alex Leatherwood alone. Like, you know, everybody criticized Colton Miller too. And like these guys, sometimes it takes a little bit to develop and, you know, Raider Nation needs you know quit being so impatient. And all that. But now it's kind of like, all right, at this point, you know, seeing him play at, uh, you know, in at the 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 depth that he was, and against the players that he was going up against, and not playing really well, I don't know how you can't not be concerned. So, you know, all these you know Patriot influences that we have going on uh, with the team now, why don't we like sign like a Nate Solder? And maybe like that's kind of like maybe the plan. 
that they're going to get these younger guys as many reps as they possibly can, try to get them as much work, trying to get them as much development. At the end of the day, if they're going to sign a free agent tackle, well, you don't want them getting all banged up because they're going to be an older guy, right? You want them getting all banged up in, in, uh, in preseason stuff, you know? And so I'd imagine, like, does that just make sense to me that that's, if there, there was going to be a move to be made there, it's somebody like that where you could just about plug and play them, yeah? Absolutely. And, and, and I know we both, we said that all three of us said that last week, Mo, you've been really on top of, Hey, go get somebody, bring somebody in. Uh, they have not done that yet. Is this the week they finally do it with cuts coming up this week? I think it's possible after you see two preseason games, I'm worried about the Raiders in the trenches. They have again, Bilal Nichols, Jonathan Hankins, not back yet. They're on the pup. We talked about the offensive line endlessly three guys to name Daryl Williams, Eric Fisher, Bobby Massey, three right tackles the Raiders can pick up and bring in right now, and they can probably compete for starting reps. So those are the guys I'm looking at. But as far as the problems are concerned with the Raiders, it's in the trenches for me. But to, just to balance it out and point out the positives, and I tweeted this, zero turnovers in both games, six penalties in a Hall of Fame game, four penalties today. The Raiders are a disciplined football team. I think Beth Mowens mentioned it. They, they were the more disciplined team against the Vikings today. No question. And Murph, that's a great point, too, because I think that one of the things, the, the common threads through the conversations we've had thus far has been around that focus, that that kind of uh, business that's going on in the building for for this Raiders team now under Josh McDaniels. And we saw it again to most point about the about the penalties, but also just how this team plays uh, and, and you see them, how they go about it. There seems to be just a different swagger in the red zone, even though they struggled the first time down there. There seems to be just this conviction that you didn't see over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's in, in the, it was like in the first half, like we're actually benefiting from penalties. Like we're getting drives <laughs> extended because like I'm like, wait a minute. Like what is what world is this? Like, you know, it was like in like bizarro land here. It's like the thing, all the things that plagued us for years and years and years happened to the Vikings today in terms of penalties and extending drives. So like, even though we didn't punch it in on that, uh, on that first drive, but we went like what, 15 plays or whatever. And so, th so that was, that was definitely encouraging. Like the, the, to see the Raiders get the ball, control the ball and, uh, and, and the other team making the mistakes uh, that, that was, that was definitely encouraging. And yeah, and I'm with you. Like, it seems like just like the, the, the overall, you know, body language and stuff. I'm big on body language, man. I'm big on trying to like read, yeah. you know, reading that those nonverbal communications and, Seeing the way that the Raiders are acting on the sideline, you know, a lot of smiles, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of uh, what's this celebration? This I've, I've seen this now that they're I've doing this. I don't know what that is. It's like a reverse face palm thing. I don't know. I'm too old to know what that is. Somebody, Mo, can you explain it to us, old guys? Yeah, I, I, I saw Mac Collins do it, and I was yeah. trying to figure out what that is. I'll, I'll get yeah. an answer for you on the next show. Okay, thanks. One. Yeah, because AJ Cole <laughs> was doing it. Like I saw a handful of guys doing that now. But anyways, but yeah, like you see this, like, <laughs> like, like this light spirit, uh, Darren Waller this last week, had, uh, uh, was on the busting with the boys podcast and talked a lot about, about Mac Hollins and about how, like, he's kind of like a trippy guy and like, you know, and they were talking about on the broadcast tonight, or even, I think it was Matt Millen said that like, he's the hippie on the team or whatever. Like, I just love like this to me, like, I love players like that. Cause that's what screams Raider to me. Raiders used to be tough and weird. Like that's what if you look at all the classic Raiders of the '70s and even in the into the '80s, they were weird dudes and they were badasses. So like the idea that like that's could we kind of reconnect with some of that? I'm a huge fan of that when we can reconnect with the history and the legacy of the team. And if these are the kind of players that are going to exude that on the sideline, like I'm here for all that. Yeah, and we saw Mac Hollins. You mentioned him, Mo. A uh, great opportunity against special teams. 
Uh, although uh, Matt Millen seemed to think that he's the the front runner for the wide receiver for that role, I don't think that's actually true. I love Matt Millen, amazing. The man knows more about football than I ever will, but uh, I just didn't agree with him on that one and a couple other ones. And you saw Turner come out tonight. Uh, let's talk about the running back room, okay? Britton Brown, nice little game tonight as well. All those people who were so angry about about Josh Jacobs carrying the ball last week didn't have to worry tonight about that problem, right? Uh, but, man, I'll tell you what, it's that's what you want. You want a room, whether it's the wide receiver room, the running back room, wherever, you want it to be full so that you're making the best choice. Um, what did you think, Mo, of the running backs tonight? Who kind of stuck out? Who's starting to fall back maybe in that race? Or is it just too close to call at this point through two games? Did you guys see Marcus out? I mean, Austin Walter out there running <laughs> the football Walter. looked yes. pretty good. Looked pretty good. As you said, Brenton Brown also looked pretty good. I think, but I think both of those guys probably end up on the practice squad because as you said, the running back room is just full, but I think something to note here, Amir Abdullah didn't take any snaps. Yeah. Josh Jacobs didn't take any snaps. Josh, uh, Kenyon Drake got a lot of work. I think now people were worried about are the Raiders showcasing Josh Jacobs in that Hall of Fame game. I think they were showcasing Kenyon Drake here because they're on the hook to pay him regardless. They restructured his deal, so it seemed like he was going to be on the roster unless the Raiders can trade him. So I think him getting some work early was was the Raiders showcasing for a trade if they can deal him because it seems like Amir Abdullah has that pass catching role. I know the MMQB's Albert Burris said that Amir Abdullah is basically the leader in the clubhouse for that James White role, that pass catching uh, running back around the backfield. So with him and Bolden, Bolden has a two year deal. Usually you don't sign a guy to a two year deal and then release him. So he's probably safe. And I wrote in the piece that it's probably between Amir Abdullah and Kane Drinker right now. It looks like Amir Abdullah is in the lead. Him not getting any work today was a big sign that big sign that he's going to be on the 53 man roster this year. Yeah, it's very interesting. How about you, Murph? Um, looking at these running backs, man, it's a nice. We know this offense. We talked about it before. We know this offense. They're going to use running backs in very different ways than we saw under John Gruden. And boy, you like these these young kids are just running up and down the field, showing a lot of moxie. Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, and, and I and I I agree with Mo there. When you look at Abdullah and uh, and Kenyon Drake, that's kind of like. They're not the exact same player, but very similar skill set. And so, uh, and we saw what Abdullah was able to do in the open field uh, in the Hall of Fame game. And then here, you know, Kenyon Drake's been been with the team. I know he was hurt last year for a long, long time, but um, you know, it's just nice to see that like there's we can make a move there. And so I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't know if there's a, a world where they're I don't know they can. Uh, if you're going to keep them, I mean, you can't keep all these guys, right? I mean, I think right. Britton Brown ends up on the practice squad. Um, uh, Austin Walter, that's the new Chris Warren Jr., the third, right? That's <laughs> our new guy. That's going to be our new fan favorite in the offseason. Yeah. Um, everybody's going to go, we need to start this guy, but we we, we won't. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, but I, seeing the way that that uh, we're using the running backs, the only thing, if I, could, if I could be critical about one thing, I can't stand – the toss play on short yardage. We used to do that with oh. Marshawn all the time. It'd be yeah. like third and one and they toss it to him. It's like, okay, Marshawn, go run eight yards to gain one to get the first <laughs> down. And so it's like, when you're inside the red zone, just punch that damn thing in there. Like to me, yeah. like just run, like, you know what I mean? Like, so, and I, and I think that's what you get Zimir white for is, is, is be able to do stuff like that. Not, and not, and Josh Jacobs is a, is a pretty strong runner as we know in between the tackles and short yardage, but just like, I hope that's not like a thing for this offense is to toss it out there all the time. We're on like the five yard line. Like, quit it with that. <laughs> well, and we know too, uh, and we heard from last game. And then of course this game too. the first half, Josh McDaniels, who will call the plays during the season. Uh, and then Nick Lombardi called the plays in the second half. 
and, and you see the consistency there overall and, and using the running game, you know, they really went to it uh, as they, as they were keeping Minnesota off the field. They were even as, as, as even the troubles the defense had overall, Minnesota wasn't exactly lighting it up on offense, but, but you look on that side of the ball too, Mo, and we look at wide receivers, uh, DJ Turner, you mentioned him with a nice uh, 30 plus yard uh, touchdown grab uh, earlier in the game. Uh, who else, who else there too? I think again, uh, if you look at Tyron Johnson, I think he's one of those guys. I, I like what he's doing there, but is he doing enough? Is he showing out enough or because of who he is and what he's done in the past, does he have an inside track or is this thing still uh, just a race till the end? It's too close to call. I don't think anyone's really separated themselves because he had multiple guys who had some highlight moments. Demarcus Robinson climbing up for that big reception to set up the Raiders to go for it on fourth down and convert. Uh, Keelan Cole got a lot of work. I mentioned and we mentioned DJ Turner on offense and special teams. So I don't think anyone really separated themselves when it comes down to it. I think Josh McDaniels is going to wind up rotating guys in that wide receiver three spot. Anyway, we all, we already know it's Devonta Amzer, Hunter Renfro, but I think you're going to see a mix and match of guys, Mac Hollins, Keelan Cole, Demarcus Robinson, maybe DJ Turner all take that wide receiver three spot based on matchups every week. No doubt about it. Um, what else guys, what else? I want you guys just call it out. Anything else? Um, Murph, I see you looking at your notes. Uh, what else did uh, popped out at you? Was it the, gr I mean, you talked about the field, by the way, I want to revisit that. Uh, when we were having our technical issues, when we first went live, Murph talked about one of the negatives was the field. They had a soccer game there, whatever. But I will tell you, because I was there that whole first season for every game during COVID. Uh, and then last year, if you look at it, for whatever reason, I think one of the questions, and, and I don't mind, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll ask the Raiders PR team because the turf at Allegiant Stadium, as beautiful as that facility is, it's had issues all along. There's great games when it looks great, but there's also a handful of games where you're like, wait a minute, this should not be this way, uh, especially because you can have injury and all sorts of things. But to me, that stuck out again, but I don't think it's surprising because I think it's an ongoing issue. Yeah, and then don't they have like four different kinds of turf you could put in there? Like they got, <laughs> they got like fake ones. They got a couple real ones. They got ones yeah. for show. They got all like so you would think like at a minimum just put in the like the 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 artificial turf. You know, if you have a, yeah. a problem with the natural grass, I don't know. That was just that was kind of funky. And I know it's the preseason, and they said that they'll like resod it or whatever. But I'm with you, man. Let's like with you got a billion dollar facility. That's like, you know what I mean? Like don't you know build this big old nice house? Don't like cheap out on the hardwood floors. You know what I mean? Like go for oh, it, yeah. you know? So, um, oh, yeah. uh, something else that jumped out at me though, is that do you guys like, um, do you remember Josh McDaniels ever being this feisty? Like, no. or was that just because he was under the, the Belichick umbrella, but like, you know, we heard him hollering at Malcolm Kuntz and practice that one day, you know, dropping F bombs on this is now two weeks in a row. We've seen them all met. Like he was pissed off that we didn't get the ball into the end zone on that, that first, first drive. And yes. that's awesome. Like to me, again, the, that to me, like that's raidery, that's passion, that like that feistiness, that's Madden on the sideline, hollering at officials like that. I love seeing that kind of stuff. And I don't ever remember him being like that before. I, and Mo, I, I, I echo Murph's sentiment there, too. And I know this goes back to the point you've been making for weeks, which is focus and discipline. Right. It's about focus. And so to him, I, I think, Murph, I'm reading it as Josh McDaniel says, OK, if we get to the four yard line and we got first down, and we can't get the ball in the end zone, what the F is going on? Which is what, you know, lip reading I did. I could <laughs> yeah. see he was saying. Uh, but, Mo, that's part of the whole same process, is it not? 
Yeah, and Brandon Bona, I think, described it best. He said, "What's the, they asked him, what's the difference between Joshua Daniels as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach? And he said, it's comparable to your older brother being in charge of the house when your parents go away. <laughs> a little more bass in the voice, a little more in charge, and I think that's what you're seeing on the sideline. But there are two things I wanted to, I wanted to point out about the defense, because I know a lot of people are going to talk about how poor the run defense was at some, at some point. But I tweeted this. The Raiders were pretty good on third down. Vikings were one of seven on third down conversions. So the Raiders were able to hold, uh, force the Vikings to settle for field goals. And the other thing I saw early that a lot of people didn't pick up, John Abram was attacking the pocket. Yes. And that's what I, something I, I said on our previous show that I want to see Patrick Graham use John Abram on, on blitzes because he's quick enough and he has the physicality to do that. And you saw that early in the game. No doubt. That was incredibly encouraging. And, and you said last week, Mo, on our show, he is a box safety you rush the passer with. That's who Jonathan Abram should be, can be, and will excel at. And so they did that tonight, which was very encouraging. Uh, I want to get into a non-game related um, situation, and I'm going to I'm going to flash up uh, our longtime listener Corey Sanford uh, talked about the Darren Waller issue. So uh, this and it's it's cutting off the comment here on our thing, but it says. Darren Waldner attended the Aces game, was not at Allegiant Stadium. McDaniels asked about it in postgame, tried shooting it down. Is there something to be concerned about? I want to get your guys' take on that. I understood he, it was an excused absence for him, by the way. That is officially from the team. He was excused from the game, and he went to the Las Vegas Aces game across the street to see his new girlfriend, by the way, Kelsey Plum, who plays guard for the Las Vegas Aces. Um, and if you watched Bussin' with the boys, you know he talked about he'd been in the relationship for three weeks. That's who he's in a relationship with. Um, I, I'm not I'm not breaking any secrets. He they, They've been t- photographed together in public. Um, and and But Darren Waller, you read that, and yes, there's a game at the same time. He does have an excuse. I can understand why fans would be like, what is going on with that? I don't think it's any big deal, but Raider Nation wants everybody all in on their team, Murph. Uh, so do you do you understand why some fans are probably maybe put off by it? Yeah, I could see, and I think it, at at first glance, it's it, it's it's certainly like it, the optics of it uh, mm. aren't great. But then if you think about though the greater picture though, and this is what I always try to do is like just think about like you know gets outside of my own little box of fandom. Um, Mark Davis owns the Aces, and mm. they want to have good attendance, and they're the number one seed in the WNBA playoffs. And it looks really cool when your starting tight end superstar player in the NFL is sitting courtside. I don't, I'm assuming that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I think that from a marketing aspect, you know, it's a non-consequential game. He's going to be the starting tight end and we're going to get a deal done for him hopefully very soon. Like, so it's not like he's fighting for a roster spot or whatever. I, he's, you know, he's a veteran guy. Like I, I, don't, I don't, and I didn't even know about the relationship. So like that makes, that makes pretty good sense to me that that would all kind of, you know, the confluence of all of those things makes sense to a Mark Davis to be like, yeah, man, let the guy go across the street and go see his, his girl play. So I don't yeah. think it's that big deal. And he was at their last game, by the way, donning a San Diego Padres cap. So, you know, he's got good taste in baseball or bad taste. And, you know, I've had to put up with that pain for years and years. Um, but Mo, when you look at this and I think Murph talks about with optics, absolutely. I get it. And if, if there wasn't any, um, excuse for it, and if there wasn't any official word about it, then I would be more concerned. But I think fans keep trying to find discord here when I don't think there is any. If you yeah. listen to what he said on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, he said, hey, my agent's taking care of the contract. 
So why do people want to make up this kind of negative narrative that there's contract issues? No, they're talking about a contract. It takes time, and they're both not in any hurry. Yeah, from a fan base perspective, I get you want your one of your star players there for for the camaraderie, as Murph talked about early in the show. The camaraderie looks good, but I mean, come on, he he wasn't gonna play. I'm sure he and Josh McDaniels had a conversation about it. And Josh McDaniels was like, "Yeah, Mark Davis owns the Aces. Go see your girlfriend. You know, go go enjoy the <laughs> go enjoy the day." I don't think there's any conflict there. And to your point, Scott, I've, it's one thing after another with the buzz with Darren Waller. It's not coming from him. It's coming from some fans. First, it was. Are we going to trade him? Because he didn't put us all in at the end of the season. He was milking his injury, and he didn't come back last year mm-hmm. till the end, blah, blah, blah. Then that faded. Then it was, oh, is he going to be back? Because his contract, he wants a new deal. He got a new agent now. Is he you know, is he pushing for a new deal? Josh McDaniels, I mean, he, he has shot that down. He said, you know, I'm here to play. I'm not worried about my contract. As Murph said, I'm letting my agent handle it. Now him not being at the game, here's some people talk about that. Oh, he's not at the game. Blah, blah. I just think it's it's just a lot of offseason noise. I'm not worried about Darren Waller. He's going to be on the field week one to play, yep. and that's all that matters right now. You know what Absolutely. cracks me up is that, like, it's always so funny. Like, I swear, so like some Raider fans, they they don't think the, these folks talk. You don't think Mark <laughs> Davis is talking to Josh McDaniels and Dylan, Darren Waller is not talking to Mark Davis. And Josh, like, there's right. communication going on inside the building, and it, it drives me nuts when people think that there's, like, this, like, discord and there's this distance. They're all talking yeah. to each other every effing day. It's yeah. like, how often do you talk to your coworkers? You know what I mean? Like, and so it's so funny to me when people try to like make these little like narratives and create this drama around it. Like, let's just celebrate the idea that, hey, guess what? We got a Raider team that there is no drama. What a concept. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's yeah. just freaking relish in the idea that we got a, a healthy, functional, you know, freaking organization. Like, because I mean, all you got to do is look on I mean, somebody post on Twitter this week. Um, about Lane, it was an anniversary of Lane Kiffin marching out Sebastian Janikowski for a 76 yard field goal. Think back to those days and the overhead projectors and all that. That was <laughs> some rough days as a Raider fan. We were yes. long past all that stuff, Raider Nation. So don't let this little stuff, man, get don't get caught up in it. It's just like it's PMZ stuff. Don't, 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 don't do it. Right. And it might be some for some longer suffering fans, uh, PTSD or something, and they're just expecting things to go wrong. But you're, you're, you bring up a great point about Murph talking about how uh, talking to your coworkers, but it's, it's, it's equivalent of, hey, I got a brand new boss and I'm going to take an unexcused day off and not tell him like who does that. Right. And expects to keep their job. And who does that? A guy who's celebrating five years of being uh, sober who, who went out this week and talked a lot about it, inspirational stuff all week long. Uh, he's in a really good spot. So why would he do that? But but again, the optics of it, no question. I get it. Okay, guys, before we close out this segment with Murph, Murph, I want to hear from you. Okay, so we've been through two games now with the Raiders. Again, you want the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to preseason football. This is where you get the kinks out. So when you hit week one, you're ready to go. Between now and next game on next Saturday – what do you expect? What are the top two things you want to see progress on, improvement on from this Raider team? Wow. So, gosh, that's such a great question because I feel like it's going to depend on what personnel group that we have. And mm-hmm. so I would love to see, you know, at some point we got to see Derek and Devontae and you know what I mean? And I know they have yeah. all the chemistry in the world, but at some point we got to see the ones going with the ones like, and, and so that would be something that I would definitely look forward to because I feel that like in these two, past two games, really we're looking at, 
yes, we're looking at some rookies and we're looking at definitely some positions of need for sure that will be filled by starters. But for the most part, we're looking at just depth of depth. And so I think that it's that that's really what I what I would love to see is that like to start to see some of the, you know, some of our top, you know, level players start getting some reps out there because it, Josh McDaniels brought it up about Josh Jacobs so much about how running backs need to start banging a little bit. They got to get warmed mm -hmm. up. Well, heck quarterbacks got to get used to people falling around their feet and like, and I know you get situations like what happened with Zach Wilson and you get non-contact injuries and funky stuff happens, but it's football, man. So like at some yeah. point, those guys have got to get going. I think that it would just be, um, I think it would be good. I mean, I think it would be good for the chemistry of the team, but then outside of that, I mean, I just want to, I think if anything, if I had to, you know, pick on the, on the team for something, it's those lack of those impact plays on, on defense that create turnovers, whether that's forcing fumbles uh, by the quarterback or it's, you know, Jayon Brown had played a great game. It was nice to see him kind of leading the defense um, mm -hmm. here in this game, but like, man, he can't let that ball go through your hands. Like make that pick. Like when was the last time we had a, a freaking linebacker that could make interceptions like Kurt Morrison. Like it's been a long time ago. So like, it sure would be nice to like, see like, some some big you know game changing plays that like the old Kurt Warner says the GCPs right want to see those <laughs> game changing plays happen oh, on yeah. defense man I would really love to see that see that tick up because that's something that's just like it's so massive for your football team man you win that turnover margin and you know you guys know I mean that leads to W's yeah. all day long all day long Murph thanks for that all right Mo for you two things you want to see between now and next week from this team outside of the personnel and Murph mentioned it too, right? Going to sign uh, a right tackle and experienced offensive tackle. Great. But what else do you want to see uh, so that you see this team making the progress it needs to make to get to week one and beat the chargers in a huge game to start the season. I want to see their young cornerbacks play. I want to see them back on the field. Anthony Averett, Rocky Asin, uh, Trayvon Mullen. I want to see those guys healthy because those are going to be your top three cornerbacks and for them not to get any reps during the preseason, then toss them out against the charges, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams on the first week, those guys need some reps. They need some serious snaps, not serious snaps, but a, a series or two here and there. So one thing I just want to see the Raiders that are banged up, get healthy, get back on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. Especially to me, those guys in that defensive front too, where they need help. And to your point, I'll echo the same as you as I want to see that defensive backfield uh, go at it a little bit and see what what they have there because I think there's still some question in how they're going to work together uh, and and whether or not it's going to uh, gel how they need it to for the first week. All right, Marf, we're going to say goodbye, my friend. Thank you so much again for joining us for the Voice of the Fan segment, and we will check in with you next week. Tell people how to find you and how to find your show. Oh man, thank you very much for having me. As always, guys, I look forward to rejoining you next week. And uh, and 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 much respect to everybody. I've gotten so much uh, response from, from from doing this spot with you all uh, on social media and otherwise on our on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash Raiders Fan Radio. And you can find our show anywhere, just uh, any uh, audio podcast service, uh, just by searching uh, Raiders Fan Radio. You can ask your internet connected device. Uh, we'll all take you back to to our stuff. And yeah, for all of our, we've got a ton of new subscribers and a new um, just like boost to our show listens and everything else and downloads and Twitter followers and all that. And that's because of you two guys. And so I appreciate oh. you so very, very much for having me on here. It's been a blast and look forward to doing it again. We appreciate you too, my man. Thank you again. Again, follow Murph 
Raiders fan radio and the gang there. Good, good stuff, and we will bring him on next week. All right, Mo, we now turn. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this game a little bit and dive deeper on some of the other issues that I saw and that you saw as well. Uh, We'll do that right after this break. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We are in our post-game show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, If you're joining us live on YouTube, thanks for seeing the chat go by and uh, appreciate all the comments there, guys. Sorry about the technical stuff for the YouTube folks early on, uh, but we got it all ironed out and we're here joining you, so we appreciate the discussion. Uh, And again, thanks to Murph for joining us for the voice of the fan. Uh, Okay, Mo, so we talked about the game. We talked about the offensive line, but Man, I, I just don't know. I'll, even if they sign a veteran, that might bring some stability there. But I still worry about 
uh, the depth there because some of what I'm seeing is not encouraging because we know nicks and bangs and bruises. You know, very few offensive linemen uh, are able to go every single time. Uh, and and for me, the Raiders' depth there is a concern. It's something they knew about coming into this season. But let's say they go sign uh, a good veteran uh, and they get that spot at least addressed at the surface level. What else worries you on that line as far as um, uh, the depth there? Yeah, just the guy, Alex Barnes was supposed to be the guy that could play four or five different positions. But as I mentioned early in the show, gave up three pressures against the Jaguars. Didn't look good today. I I, he, I don't know if he's going to make the 50-man roster, but if I were to try to swap him out for maybe an Eric Flowers, I would mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, right, I think the guard, the starting guard positions are set. I think Lester Cotton's going to start. I think John Simpson's going to start. Their respective position is right and left. Uh, as we all know, Kel- uh, Colton Miller was a lock. I think Thayer Mumford made it interesting at right tackle with Brandon Parker still out, and Alex Edward playing into the, into the fourth quarter, protecting again Chase Gabers with with third stringers. Uh, <laughs> other good. than signing, other than signing the right tackle, I think they just need another death piece who can play three or four positions on 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 the interior and possibly outside. Now, as far as the solid backups they have, Dylan Parham, even though he gave up that big sack, I think he's going to be a solid backup. And Jermaine Illuminar, who could play outside and inside, I, again, I think he's going to be the new Denzel Good, can play guard, can play tackle. I think he's solid. But other than those two, I think they need a little bit more depth there on the offensive line. They do. And I, and and let's talk about Parham for a second because you, you talked about him playing there at center. I thought he looked good. Um, you had, obviously, like you said, the big, the big uh, sack uh, where he got mm-hmm. caught on the right side trying to help out on the guard. Uh, and they rushed up the middle, so he left his left side open up the middle, and that's where the sack was committed. Um, when you look at what he's able to do there, I think, I mean, clearly they're looking at him to to cover those two roles. That's part of the reason they drafted him. But I thought he excelled for the most part, too. Um, the center to quarterback exchange was good with, with both. Um, and this is a guy who could end up developing into really a fine player that gives you some of the depth that I'm talking about that they lack currently. Yeah, I'm pretty high on, but you know how social media works. He gave up the sack, and that's what people are going to focus on. But if you look at the entirety of the game, he had a pretty decent game, and he's a rookie. He's going to make some mistakes. You got to expect that. It's the preseason. This is where you get the kinks out. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. Again, I'm not too worried about him or Illuminar being backups for the offensive line. It's just who else other than that is going to be able to stick and that you can depend on. I think Denzel Good retiring dealt a big blow to the offensive line that they haven't yet replaced. Yeah, and 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 na- the nation's love affair uh, with Walter is is well underway. But you look at Britton Brown tonight. Uh, here's a kid that you know you look at. Ah, okay, he's on he's on the the Raiders preseason roster, and it's great. You get to showcase yourself. But this is a kid who who really played well today. Uh, runs the ball well. I like I like how he's balanced and and what he's able to bring. But you notice, and and I, I kept pointing this out to a couple other Raiders fans. Uh, via DM on Twitter during the game, which is if you look at the running backs overall, um, if you look at how similar they are, right, and and how they do things the same way, you're getting insight here without the offense showing you too much, of course, in preseason, but you're getting to see the type of player, the type of running back, and the type of plays that are used by Josh McDaniel in this defense. Talk a little bit more about that and why you're seeing running backs like Britton Brown and the others do so well in the system. 
Yeah, they're they're downhill decisive plays. I think this is mentioned multiple times during the broadcast. Decisive runs, not too mm-hmm. much, you know, pitter pattern with their feet, false steps, and things of that nature. They just hit the hole and keep it moving. So I think that's a good thing, especially when you're inside the red zone, when you're trying to punch the ball in. I think we mentioned how Josh McDaniels is a little upset about how the Raiders didn't punch the ball in on the red zone one drive, but again, they have the running backs to do that because these are not running backs who go east west too much. They're going north south downhill. So. That's what you're seeing from the off, from the Raiders' uh, rushing offense. I believe it was they have, what is it, 299 rushing yards and five touchdowns in two games. I think that's important because you want to build confidence because the Raiders' rushing offense, as a lot of people know, didn't play well that year. So I think it was important, Josh McGill may not say this, but I think it was important for the Raiders' rushing offense to get out there and play well during the preseason after what they looked like last year. Uh, toward the end of the year, I know they had some good weeks here and there, but just not enough. And I think these performances build a lot of confidence. The other thing we haven't talked about, Mo, but I'll talk about it tonight as they went 8 of 17, the improvement on third down. And again, we're not seeing the starting offense here, but the improvement, and it goes back to a lot of the pre-snap penalties we talked about all of last year and the year before and the year before. Uh, but you look at this team too, one of the real big positives coming out of these two games with the penalties has been the ability for this offense, the way it's structured, the way it uses its personnel to take a, th- a third and medium or third and short and convert. The Raiders were not able to do that so many times over the last couple of years, and it led them to some of these great comeback wins, yes, but these are the types of things that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, as the construction man building this team, look at are guys who are going to execute, and you win championships by doing, by converting on third down when you need to so that you have the opportunity to keep alive and change and flip the field. What do you know? It, it works out well when you don't shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> and, and make it a third and long situation, huh? You know, or leave it, it to the referees, good. right? You know, you know, it, I, and I and I again, I tweeted this that the Raiders look like the more disciplined team again today, and I think that's a pattern we're going to see going into the regular season. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to again Demarcus Robinson for climbing up and getting that big catch to get the Raiders uh, to be able to convert on a fourth down with, with Britton Brown. He ran a short run to the outside after the inside collapse, but. Again, the Raiders are, are a more efficient, more disciplined football team. And I think the details that you're seeing that Josh McDaniels and the coach staff drill into the players starting to show on the field. Also, on the defensive side, Mo, uh, there's a guy that you may know. You talk about him sometimes, Darian Butler. Remember that guy? Led the team in tackles again tonight. Also, another player we talked about on our last show on Thursday, and I think we might even mention them on the mail show on Friday, the mailbag show, um, is is Darius Phillips, right, uh, who came in. You called that last week. You said, hey, he played nicely. Don't sleep on him. He's an important veteran, played with the Bengals, went to the Super Bowl last year. Here's a guy who stepped in and did really well uh, throughout the game, and I noticed that. It stuck out to me significantly. Very active on the back end. If I were to Nick pick anything, uh, he has to wrap up, though. There was one play where he bounced off. of. Uh, you got to wrap up. If you wrap up, that you know that play stops. You don't want to let go of these long games because that drives coaches nuts. When you let when you let it. That's a how you six, get cut. Six, eight, right. When you let a six to eight yard go for 15 because you just bounced off the, the wide receiver or the running back. So other than that, I think he's still pretty solid. I think he's going to make the roster, especially with, again, these cornerbacks not playing. Trayvon Mullen. You know, still recovering from a surgery. Anthony Aver, not on the field yet. Rocky Hassan, not on the field yet. So, but these guys, they, I believe they have it till August 23rd before they have to come back, before they have to go on PUP for four weeks. Right. But with those guys not playing, a guy like Darius Phillips is probably going to get some playing time because those guys have to get up to speed. 
Yeah. How concerned are you with those guys, though? Um, I mean, you've gone through one game. They've gotten no time. Now you're going to go into your second. If they don't play this coming week, then would you be more concerned? I would be more concerned because even though those are your top guys, this isn't Jalen Ramsey or Stephon Gilmore we're talking about. These are right. young players who are still developing, so they need the time on the field. So them not playing in these first two preseason games, I would hope that they get some time in the next preseason game against the Dolphins because if they don't, I would go out and get some help because that means that they're maybe hurt more than where they're leading on. Because think about where Josh McDaniels comes from. Comes from New England. Bill Belichick is not going to tell you about the extent of injuries to his players. So yeah. how banged up are these guys and are they willing to come back and play? Because they need those reps. Yeah. And until they actually have to report injuries like they do during the regular season, we won't know much at all to your point. So uh, it, it'll, we have to take your word for their word for it and say, okay, they'll be back. They're working on it. Same thing with Darren Waller. We heard the same uh, with him Brandon that he's Parker. taking his time and all that kind of stuff. So so we get it, uh, which is which is perfectly fine. Um, we talked earlier in the show, and I want to revisit because um, I, you know, had some folks. Oh, don't push the panic button on the the interior defense and the offensive line yet. Um, I'm not pushing the panic button, but as you mentioned at the top of the show, Mo, you win in the NFL in the trenches. Yes, you have to have a quarterback. Yes, you have to have skill positions. Don't get me wrong. Raider fans are very excited about this team because of all of the changes, including the coaching changes, including the offensive scheme changes, defensive scheme, all of that stuff, and they should be. But if this continues on for two weeks and we get to the start of the regular season and there's these big question marks, then um, I would temper my excitement about where this team can go. Now, they can always prove me wrong. Somebody can step up and change performance uh, rapidly. We'll see if that happens. It hasn't thus far. But um, I think as each week goes on and they have the ability and the money to go get help, um, that's going to be really telling to see what this team is doing. Because I've been, I've been telling people, be optimistic. You should be. But at the same time, is this team a Super Bowl contending team? I don't think so because of those two reasons. I believe it was Chris who brought up in our mailbag show. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be the guy to step up in the, on the interior of the defensive line? And thus far, we have not seen that. I was expecting Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler, the two rookies in the fourth and fifth round, respectively, to show us a little bit more, but they haven't. Yeah, Petco had a, had a couple of splash plays, and Billings had a good stop, but it's just not enough. And the Raiders desperately need Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins to come back because if those guys are not back, that run defense, specifically on the interior, could be in trouble if the stars are not in uniform for week one against the chargers. Yeah, no question. Um, and our, our viewer Kip brought up in the, in the chat, I want to bring this up too. Uh, who will be the number three quarterback? I don't know that they'll have one. Uh, I know they have over the last couple of years. That goes by coaches. Some coaches keep three. We saw John Gruden kept Nathan Peterman around forever. Um, and when Mariota got hurt, that made sense, but I don't know. I mean, Nick Mullins looked good in this game. Mo, but uh, Jared Stedham still continues to be, to me, the number two guy with the familiarity with the offense, what he does with his legs. Mullen can also, Mullins can also run as well. Um, I guess it's all going to come down to uh, who else performs in what position and who else they want to keep and who has value because sometimes the roster sets and who you protect, who you keep on the roster depends on if it's a talent you don't want to put out there because you might not be able to get them back. You're absolutely right, and it's going to be tough because they have a crowded running back room. The wide receivers mm. haven't separated themselves, so it's going to come down to who, you know, 
the coaches are probably going to have a discussion about who can we put on the practice squad and another team won't poach them away from us. Yeah. Usually that's, that's a discussion that's had, like who can we stash away and we can kind of hide for a while just in case and they won't, you know, get signed by another team. So I think that discussion has to be had, but about the quarterbacks, I don't, I, I wouldn't even declare a number two clear right now. I, Stidham has shown that he could be that guy, but I, I like what Mullins did today. He had a mm-hmm. big third down conversion, uses wheels. I, I like how he played, and I think he he made up some ground if Stidham gained it last week. I think Mullins basically made it up this week. So we'll see what happens there, but it's going to be telling what's going to happen in the next two weeks at the quarterback position. Yes, uh, as well. And you talked about running back, and and you surprised me at the beginning, but I your logic is, is dead on, which is if you missed the top of the show, Kenyon Drake. Um, Kenyon Drake was out there more tonight in that role that he's so good at catching the ball out of the backfield with that crowded room and that salary. Now, of course, I think the Raiders, if even if they were to move him would have to eat some of that salary, but at least you get some of it off, some of it off the books, especially if you need help on the inside on the offense and the defensive side. Yeah. I wrote about this over on sports. Not if the Raiders outright cut Kenyon Drake, they don't gain anything. They're still on right. the hook for 3.6 million. If they trade him, I believe they, they're still on the hook for 1.1 million, but they saved about 2.75 or whatever the case is. So I, I think they would try to move him. If anything, I think they were showcasing him today because Amir Abdullah again, did not play today. Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs did not play today. Usually guys who don't play in certain preseason games are usually guys who are safe and they sign Brandon Bolden to a two year deal. And usually guys like that, again, you don't cut, you just sign him to a two year deal. Of course, Brandon Bolden came over from new England with Josh McDaniels. So he's probably securing his spot. So again, in that sports, not piece I wrote, it's probably between Amir Abdullah and Kenyon Drake. And then MMQB's Albert Breer said that basically Amir Abdullah is in the lead for that James White role. Yeah. So if he's in the lead for that James White role, that means Kenyon Drake, you know, his 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 role in the backfield is kind of iffy. So if a team wants him, I'm I'm sure the Rays will probably explore options if there are good trade offers out there. But again, you you have Zamir White, Josh Jacobs at the top of the depth chart, Brandon Bowler who can catch out of the backfield. And if Amir Abdullah is your primary pass catcher, there's not much room for Kenyon Drake. So he's he will be the odd man out. Yeah, no doubt about it. I agree with you 100%. Um, okay, we're going to wrap up the show, this quick reaction show, post-game show for now. We've been on for almost an hour. We appreciate it again. Sorry for some of the technical difficulties at the beginning uh, where most of you on YouTube might not have seen a lot of the show. If you missed the top six minutes of the, of the kickoff of the show, it was really good. So go back and listen to it. On the podcast, which you can, of course, subscribe to the Silver and Black Today podcast, wherever you get your podcast, that'll be ready for um, uh, tomorrow morning. So make sure you do that on your commute to work, whether you're taking the train, taking the car, whatever you're doing, uh, make sure you do that as well. And on Tuesday, Mo, we're going to be back uh, right here talking again, Raiders football. We're going to have time to go back and look at it. I was a little disjointed today. I I think I missed some stuff. So I want to go back again and look. Uh, at the at the game again, and then we'll do that. So we'll do another recap and find some things that we might not have seen or or reinforce some of our takeaways from the game. We're also going to explore Darren Waller's comment. Murph mentioned it earlier in the show from the Bussin' with the Boys with Will Compton's show uh, this past week. We want to talk about that. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. So we're going to do that a little bit and what that means and what it says sort of about how the Raiders were and how they are now, which is much different. So it'll be exciting. And uh, we'll see what else happens in the next couple of days, Mo, before we uh, rejoin this audience and rejoin Raider Nation 
Uh, but overall, less, less um, I think, peppy about this game as I was against the game in Canton. But that's the nature of the preseason, right? As you up and down, and then you're going to start seeing roster movements pretty soon. Let's see if the Raiders finally go out and get some of that help at offensive line this week. One guy I want to give a shout out to that I feel like didn't get enough love in this show, Malcolm Kuntz. Yes. Another Buffalo pass rusher out of another pass rusher out of Buffalo. Khalil Mack was the first one, by the way. Um, not to compare the two, but Khalil uh Malcolm Kuntz, I think, has is done a great job of wrapping up that third edge rusher position. As we all know, Kyla Fackle is on injured reserve. But I think Kuntz has had a really good preseason and he deserves a lot of love. Got a sack today, uh got dinged up, but got up and he's gonna be fine. I think he could take a big jump in his second year. Yeah, and I did see, too, I don't know, just a, a fan-related thing, and I see Rick uh, Meish from uh, Minnesota says, no friggin' broadcast of the preseason game in Minnesota. The NFL should be condemned. I also had our good friend Christopher Gabriel, who's on the radio in Fresno, who was in Fresno, and they didn't get the game on the NFL network, too. I don't know why that happened. No clue. Uh, they were being shown a replay of yesterday's Chiefs game. I don't know why some broadcast rights or whatnot, but I will tell you, Rick, um, that uh, I told Chris during the game, go NFL Plus has all the preseason games streaming. Uh, so even if you just get it, you get, a, I think, a seven or 10 day free trial. And then if you don't want it, great. If not, it's like $10 a month. So if you want to pay $10 to see the next two Raider games, you can do that. But, but I don't know why it wasn't national on NFL Network, uh, but we'll try to get you an answer before the next show. Raider Nation doesn't like when they can't see their team, though. Yeah, even if it's preseason, uh, right. they want to see their football team because it, people people dump on the preseason. Oh, it doesn't. I've seen some people in my mentions. Oh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't count. Hell yeah, it does. Guys <laughs> have to develop. There are rookies right. out there. You got to figure out your right tackle position. You got to figure out if guys can step on a, on the interior defensive line. Preseason yeah. matters. It may not matter in the win loss column, but it matters in player development. Absolutely, it does, and that's that's why I watch it. I don't watch it for the result of the game. I watch it to watch these positions, to watch Alex Leatherwood struggle again, to watch Malcolm Kuntz have a hell of a first half, I thought, uh, and really did really, really well. Those are the kind of things I watch these games for. So it's not as enjoyable from a fan perspective because you're not, it's not as an emotional, um, I think, investment into the game itself. But these are the guys that are going to be on your team. So it's good to know, even if it's a second or third stringer, because with injuries, believe it or not, our special teams, guys are going to come uh, in and get some time here and there. So it's it's nice to see that. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll figure it out and and understand why the NFL wasn't playing this game. Uh, and I will send a note to the Raiders and ask them if they can find out for us. So I appreciate that. All right, Mo. Um, we will see you on Tuesday, my friend. See you guys on Tuesday. We'll break down more of the game and look ahead to the Dolphins. Absolutely. Okay. For Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. Remember, this is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Also, go up to our YouTube page. Hit like, hit the notification bell so that when we are on here on video, you can also be notified of that. But thank you guys all for joining us. Thanks to Murph for his Voice of the Fan segment that we do every post game. Really insightful and great stuff and always some laughs and good times with Murph uh, from Raiders Fan Radio. So thank you to him. And until Tuesday, remember, make sure you take care of one another out there and have a great week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.